What's going on, College Hoops Eds? This is another edition of the One and Done Podcast with Stephen Bagel and John Simpson. As you guys know, I'm Stephen Bagel. I am here with John Simpson. And yeah, it's been about a week since we talked to you guys. So we honestly, this week in college basketball, John, could you say was, aside from Saturday's slate, definitely a little white in terms of, you know, great matchups to play? Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of a, that's what I was thinking about last week. You know, it seemed like we were kind of waiting for Saturday all week long for some excitement to take place. You know, I know a lot of kids got uh, exams going on and stuff like that. So, uh, so let, a little me, lot. let me ask you, before we get into the game recaps from Saturday and a few games before then, we had the news. First, it kind of all started with a fake John Rothstein on Twitter. His name was Jom. J-O-M, Rothstein, basically saying, oh, Juwan Howard is going to step down for Michigan's head coach and join Phil Martelli's bench as an assistant. Then all the reputable reporters say, you guys fall for it. This isn't John Rothstein, blah, blah, blah. But then the next day, I believe it was Brian Quinn from The Athletic post an article about how Juwan Howard got in an argument with the strength and conditioning coach because him and Jace Howard, him being the strength and conditioning coach, got in an argument with Jace Howard, um, wanted Juwan's sons that place for him. Obviously, we know Jet has since jetted for the NBA. But Michigan has a zero-tolerance policy that was implemented, actually, because of Juwan Howard. So we have the 2021 incident with Mark Turgeon when he was Maryland's head coach. We had the 2022 incident with Greg Gard, when he swung at him in the, um, I guess the handshake line at the end of the game. And now we have him getting in an argument with the strength and conditioning coach on his own staff, which basically got to the point where the school decided it was best for that strength and conditioning coach to not um, travel with the team, essentially, for at least that last game. So Michigan has concluded that there has been I suppose no foul play, if you will, in terms of any violations that they could conclude of in their investigation. So John Howard is safe for now. But John, I mean, this is the third incident in three years involving another coach, whether his own staff or another staff. What do you think? I mean, how much long? I, I know we talked about this a little bit in one of our episodes with Julian in terms of how much time John Howard has left, but Given the state of Michigan basketball, given everything that has transpired with Juwan Howard, how much time do you think he realistically has left? <clears throat> you know, I, when I first heard this news, I was kind of thinking that, well, you know, here Michigan has their out on Juwan Howard. Um, just because, you know, obviously I don't think that the performance has been up to what we expected when Juwan Howard took the job there. Um not that he hasn't been able to recruit. You know, he was able to recruit when he first took the job. And obviously, you know, his two sons came with him. Um, but it definitely is, a, you know, like you said, another hit on his reputation. Um, I think that, um, you know, it's going to – not only is this going to, you know, is this kind of another thing to taint his – um, his legacy at at Michigan, but I think it's going to probably, you know, when he does go on, because I don't think he might make it through this. I know they found, you know, kind of 
I, uh, you know, nothing was found, you know, nothing to warrant disciplinary action or whatever when they did an internal investigation. Um, that's not to say that this is over with either, I think, but, um, you know, I think it's just another strike against them. And it's the type of thing that probably wouldn't, you know, if there's smoke, there's fire. And I think that it's probably the thing that, that wouldn't warrant as much attention were he winning games for Michigan and coaching a nationally ranked team. You know, it's just kind of the way it is. So I know he did a, uh, he did a, a press conference the other day where he talked a lot about his heart surgery and that kind of stuff. And didn't really talk a whole lot about the whole Sanderson thing. Um, but, you know, what he did say was, you know, that, you know, he made like a little generic statement about, you know, well, you know, they said there's, you know, there's still review going on or whatever, but um, I don't know. I think, you know, media have talked a little bit off air about the Michigan situation and, uh, and who I think could possibly take the job there. Um, where Michigan ready to make the move? Um, I just don't think that they're going to be willing to continue losing, especially with the Big Ten expansion. They can't really afford to get too behind, I don't think, as a team. Yeah, no, I agree. And I definitely agree with you in terms of if Michigan was going to make a move, they had an excuse to and they chose not to. So that that's yeah, you're right. Very interesting to see. I mean, I did pay San Diego State's Brian Dutcher for that job because he was an assistant on that um for that school for years. So we'll have to see how that plays out. In other coaching news, we have Kenny Payne from Louisville. I believe it was Jeff Goodman who is the one who reported basically stating that you know, Kenny Payne's on thin ice. I mean, I think everyone kind of anticipating this news to come out. And a lot of people said he wouldn't even make it till the new year, which he might not. Um, quite frankly, I thought they were going to lose that Pepperdine game they had yesterday that they ended up winning. So they won by, I think, 30-something. So Kenny Payne's job is safe for another day. Um, let me pull up their schedule, actually. I can't imagine Kenny Payne making it through the season. So let me pull up the schedule real quick. Okay. So they beat Pepperdine by 22 yesterday. They play Thursday at home against Kentucky. At this point, I assume he's safe. Do they get blown out so badly by Kentucky that he loses his job? That's the last game before conference play starts. I mean, I could see it. You know, okay. I could see it. If not Kentucky, they play Virginia in Virginia January 3rd. So he has about a 12-day break in between Kentucky and Virginia games. I don't know if he makes it that whole 12 days. I think it's either he loses that Kentucky job, that Kentucky game, and he's out, because then they have 12 games or 12 days to prep an interim for conference play, interim probably being either Nolan Smith or Danny Manning. But, yeah, I don't know if he makes a conference play at this point. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just kind of feels like if he makes – if he wins that – if he – you know, because I don't see the any way they beat Kentucky. Yeah, um, that's probably the only thing that would save his job right now at this point. Um, but I think that seemed like it would be a good time to go ahead and move on. Um, if he, if they don't do it, then I don't know like, when would they do it. You know, maybe after the season. I know that they probably want to get a jump on a new hire, just because you know they're going to want to make a big splash with that job. So. All right, so say that 
he makes it to Virginia. Louisville's not going to beat Virginia. Then it's Pittsburgh. I don't think they can beat Pittsburgh. Miami, they can't beat. NC State, maybe. UNC, they're not going to beat. Wake Forest, I don't think they're going to beat. Duke, Virginia, Clemson. You know, That's like Virginia, Clemson, three game span is screaming out to me in terms of if he somehow makes it to there, he's definitely going out to that three game stretch. Yeah. Because they might lose by a combined 70 points. Yep. In that stretch. So. And that's just not, I mean, nor should it be acceptable um, at Louisville. So, yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know. He'll land somewhere, you know, and have a chance to rebuild his brand, I guess. But the Louisville experiment has not been a good look. I'm very intrigued as to who takes that Louisville job. Obviously, I pegged when we did our coach predictions, Chris Holdman there from Ohio State. But, like, Louisville's still an appealing job. I mean, look what happened with Georgetown. Georgetown has sucked the last six years. And Ed Cooley left Providence to go there so quickly. Yeah. So I can yeah. only imagine. I think we'd be surprised about who would entertain that job, too. Yeah. No, That's I 1,000% agree with that. Someone's going to come out a big-time name, and they're going to take that job, I think. So, Okay. In other news, we have the transfer portal rolling. Well, basically, it was Raekwon Battle and seven state attorney generals filed in West Virginia District Court. Basically, a um an unconstitutional unconstitutionality suit in terms of oh, you can't prevent second-time transfers from playing. It violates the Sherman Act and antitrust laws and blah, blah, blah. I could go on a constitutional law tangent right now, but just to make a long story short, they did grant a temporary restraining order to allow players to play. After that, though, players still didn't want to play because they didn't want, after the 14 days, it to be overruled by the district court because I believe the hearing is December 27th. And they didn't want to play for two weeks and lose the final year of eligibility for playing those two weeks. Now, it came out that that's also unconstitutional. You can't have these guys play for 14 days and take a year of eligibility away from them. So, essentially, now you can play rest of the year, play out their eligibility, and this may impact college sports, not just basketball, but football as well, forever. That guys could just transfer as frequently as they want, and they don't need to get these hardship waivers for mental health or abuse or whatever the hell else they would allege. But yeah, I mean, that's a big deal in terms of what the transfer portal has turned into. Because now, I mean, every year guys could just be jumping school to school. Yeah, exactly. And I think that they're going to have to... Um, it's going to kind of open up a whole new, like you said, a whole new era and football and basketball where, um, you know, it could be from year to year guys transfer. And frankly, I don't care if they transfer to a new school every year. I like, I like, yeah. I like it. It doesn't bother me a bit. You know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a big college football guy too. And I'm sitting here right now loving the portal part of college. I mean, it gives me something to do for the next month, you know, because I don't really care about watching the, uh, you know, avocados from Mexico, cure bowl or anything like that. <laughs> so with, you know, um, you know, I, I like hearing about what is basically to me is like NCAA free agency, you know, and 
you got to get the guys, especially now, I think, and, you know, I'm not the lawyer on this podcast, but I think that now that they can't earn money from their name, image, and likeness, that it does kind of violate them to not be able to, uh, to basically work and, uh, you know, and have, you know, having that right to work and by, you know, being enrolled and playing on these college teams and stuff like that. So, um, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about some of the guys that we're going to see play this year that we didn't think we were going to get to see that we were disappointed about earlier in the year. Um, with the big one being Raekwon Battle. I mean, they can really turn around this West Virginia team. I mean, that's well, a big – They did say Jesse Edwards is now off for four weeks as of – Yeah. Right, but... but still, I'd, if I'm going to be out – Jesse Edwards out for four weeks, I'd rather have Raekwon Battle there than not. You know? Absolutely. He's a little bit of a buffer. You know? And, you know, I'm excited about Jalen Cook for LSU. I mean, that turns you LSU's – yeah, so, um, yeah, I think it's cool. I think it's a good thing. Um, we're in a good place right now with all how all this is going. And, you know, uh, obviously, you know, that the NCAA is going to try to push back in any way they can on this, you know, and the old school preservers of the old-fashioned basketball game and stuff. But I think this is a – this is a big win for the players. Um, and uh, it's funny, you know, and I think we could probably even look at this deeper later on about, like, you know, what teams are going to be the most affected by this. Like, there's some teams that can really uh, have been given a huge boost, you know, that might come on in conference play once some of these guys are able to knock some of the rust off and, and really get in there and uh, uh, compete. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I saw the list of guys that we, I'm going to have to find it, but they basically the list of guys who weren't eligible who now will be. So we'll have to discuss that probably next episode. But speaking of transfers, Naquan Tomlin, we talked about it briefly, um, basically was dismissed from the Kansas State basketball program because they have a zero tolerance policy. And he, he basically Halloween weekend got in a minor fist fight. I think he paid a fine, and that was it. I mean, they he has no further legal actions, and for whatever reason, Kansas State still chose to dismiss him pretty controversially. He's now since graduated this semester. He graduated, and he's eligible to transfer. He committed to the Memphis Tigers. So as of whenever the spring semester starts, he will be playing for them. Obviously, Jordan Brown has left the program, so he kind of steps in to fill those shoes. I mean, Naquan Tomlin was the starting big man on an elite 18 last year. Like he is a very effective player and Memphis, we could get into their game recaps real quick. They just beat Clemson who was undefeated. And not only that, before they beat Clemson, they beat a and uh, Texas A&M. So they had two straight wins over Texas A&M and Clemson who were two, probably the 15 best teams in the country talent wise. And they play Virginia tomorrow. So I think that Virginia is going to be a huge test for Memphis, but how good could Memphis be with Nick Wontonlin? Well, I think they're really good right now. Um, so when you bring Naquan Tomlin, I think almost in a way, Naquan Tomlin can be what we thought that Jordan Brown was going to be for them this year. Um, we were both – I know both of us were really high on him coming into the season. Um, Memphis is a good team. Like, 
they have some quality wins. I, you know, I was just looking at their their schedule. Um, the only losses they've had this year are to Villanova, who is a great basketball team, you know, and Ole Miss, who is undefeated. Yep, and again, wins over Clemson, A and M. They play Virginia. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, we talked about A and M being what the best seven or fourteen. In yep. the country, like you know, that's a that's a team that should probably be ranked. That probably will be ranked at the end of the season. Yep. So, you know, and you bring Naquan Tomlin into the fold because uh, what you know, one of the things that we had we were concerned about with Memphis was like, are they going to be deep enough? Um, and that's just another dip. I mean, I think that he's going to be in a starting role. You know, by the time we get into the thick of conference play. So, see who they got. Virginia's a big game. You know, that could go either way. But then they have Vanderbilt, Austin P, Tulsa, SMU. And then imagine uh, the spring semester. I mean, you know, that's when they start really getting into that conference schedule. Um, I think that Memphis could have a real shot at, uh, you know, a top, maybe a top three or top four seed going into the tournament. Um, Would you rather be Memphis this year or Gonzaga this year? Um, just based on my schedule. Based off, you're trying to win a national championship this year. Would you rather be Mark Few right now or Penny Hardaway right now? I think I'd rather be Penny. I think I agree. Yeah, I like the build of the Memphis team better. I think than the Gonzaga team. Yeah, and they're, they're a lot deeper. I mean, the biggest thing with Gonzaga that we've been talking about is ever since Steel Venters went down for the season, they just don't have the depth, I think. To Yeah. I mean, if they get know, another guy hurt, what are they going to, you know what I mean? Like, it's, they yeah. can't afford for guys to get into foul trouble or to have a bad night. Like, Memphis might be better than Gonzaga already before Naquin Tomlin even plays. Yeah. So, okay. And a great coaching job by Penny, too, by the way. I'll throw that in there. And recruited job pulling Nick Naquan out of the portal. So Memphis recently made, as you guys know, I am a voter in the Everything College Basketball um, Top 25 every week. So Memphis I had to obviously put in my rankings after beating AM and beating Clemson. I actually have the same 20, 24 of the 25 scores is the same as the AP poll, which I usually disagree with the AP poll, so that's a decent amount for me. The only thing I have differently is that I have Miami in mine, and they have Virginia. Um, otherwise, I mean, again, two ACC scores. I I still think, I know the metrics are a lot lower on Miami, like the Nath, Ken Palm, Bartorvik. I still like Miami, so I have them in. Um, otherwise, let's see here. Northwestern, let's start with Wednesday. They lose to Chicago State. I mean, Northwestern has to be the only school in the country that could beat Purdue and then lose to Chicago State a few weeks later. I mean, only Northwestern could do that. That's rough. Um, Otherwise, I I just think that goes back to the Big Ten not being all that great this year. I Obviously, Purdue is ranked number one right now. Wisconsin is great, and Michigan State just had a huge win over Baylor that we'll talk about. But otherwise, Illinois is pretty good. So, yeah, maybe the Big 12 is doing better than they were the last few times we talked about how pitiful that conference is. But, yeah, Northwestern just – you can't trust them. And I feel like that's a lot of the scores in the Big 10 that 
we'll be talking about as the season goes on. Like, you know what? They're beating each other up. We can't trust any of these teams to make a deep run. Maybe Wisconsin, Purdue, I think you can, and maybe Illinois. That might be the extent of where it goes. Um, UNLV beat Creighton. Creighton is 0-2 in the Mountain West and undefeated against everybody else. They lost to Colorado State, who's obviously a great team, and now they lost to UNLV. But again, they are undefeated against everybody else. Are you worried about Creighton at all? No. Me neither. No. I'm not worried about Creighton. I, that's a great team. I love that team. Uh, I I don't know if there's a starting five I like more than Ashworth, Shireman, Alexander, Kalkbrenner, Mason Miller. I mean, I love that's that's a a good solid basketball team. And uh, UNLV got them that game. Caleb Boone had a great game that game. Um, yeah, and I'm looking. And they got Caleb- Keelan Boone back. Yeah, they did, and that's another team we just talked about in terms of the two-time transfers being eligible. Yeah. So, yeah, Creighton shot 28% from three, and they got blown They got blown the fuck out. They lost by 15 points. Creighton's not going to shoot many games shooting 28% from three. Let's see, the rebounding. The is probably not going to have many games shooting 45% from three. Oh, yep, that was the next thing I was going to say. They shot 45.5% from three. <laughs> So, okay. I don't know how much that – I don't have that much to add about Creighton because I am not that concerned about Creighton, quite frankly. I think those top three teams in the Big East all are national championship contenders. I will say this. UNLV is another player out of the Mountain West. Well, we already have – I know. We have, what, seven legitimate contenders in the Mountain West now? For yes. <laughs> if I'm more, yeah, we have half the conference now, but I mean, yeah, I mean, we had to draw the line somewhere, so that's why. <sighs> Speaking of the Mountain West, the next two teams I was actually about to talk about one of them, John has his back in right now, that's Utah State, the Utah State Aggies. They're now 11 and 1. I was actually talking to Darius Brown the night before the San Fran game, he was super excited to cover my goalie and Mike, I'm assuming, but they beat. Santa Clara and San Fran, who might be the second and third best teams in the West Coast Conference behind Gonzaga this year. And they beat both of them. Utah State, after returning zero points from last year and 0.2% of their minutes from last year, are now 11-1 under Danny Sprinkle. I mean, I know Utah State's not even ranked right now. They might, deservingly, should be. You have to consider Danny Sprinkle for um, National Coach of the Year honors right now, don't you? Oh, it's just nothing but an amazing coaching job. Like he's done an amazing coaching job taking over Utah State. Who who do you think should be national coach of the year right now? I mean, he's got to be there, right? Uh, him, I think Chris Beard. That's an amazing coaching job. Those are probably the top two. Um, Oklahoma, and I think Penny. Yeah, Penny. Yep. Penny, Porter, Moser, those are probably the four. Um, maybe Mark Pope, depending how BYU finishes in the Big 12. But I mentioned to see Utah State get in a conference play. Um, San Francisco's a good team they beat. And that was a low score game. Clear. Yeah. So, I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, they're, they're not getting the national attention they deserve. They really aren't. Um, but they deserve to. January oh, January 6th, they play Colorado State. That's a game I want to watch. Is that their first conference game? First conference game is this January 2nd against Air what, Force, which is another good team. What's the rest of the non-con look like? If you have uh, East Tennessee State, December twenty second, and then they're off till January second. They play Air Force. Okay, so yeah, they're probably gonna be going conference play. Knock on wood, I want to jinx them twelve and one, and yeah, that's a hell of a conference. Um, New Mexico, they beat New Mexico State by one. Donovan Dent basically won them the game last second, but again, sometimes a win's a win. Um, New Mexico is real. I am on 27th right now in my personal rankings, so they're right there in terms of being ranked. But, like, they haven't even been healthy. They've either been missing House or Jamal Mashburn Jr. almost every single game this year. They haven't had um, Dent, Mashburn, House, Toppin, and Nelly Jr. Joseph all together, I don't think, for one game this year. I could be wrong, but it has to be close to maybe one or two. How good are Dent and Toppin, too? We That's weren't even I mean. really talking about them a whole lot coming into the season. You they might be last year's FAU in terms of everyone knew when FAU got a nine seed, they were undefeated after winning Conference USA. Yeah. I think New Mexico finishing somehow like they'll probably be the best team in the Mountain West right now, but could you imagine finishing like third in the Mountain West and getting like a nine or ten seed? And then yeah. all of a sudden <laughs> they were just kicking the shit out of the six seeds, the seven seeds. Like, Absolutely. Yep. UConn on Friday night beat Gonzaga by 13. We kind of, I don't want to beat a dead horse because in our last episode, we talked about UConn being a legitimate national title contender or potentially repeating. But like, I watched most of this game. Gonzaga played so well and still lost by 13. It wasn't even close. That's how good UConn is. Yeah, big game from Klingon too. Yeah, Klingon finally, that was like kind of his welcome, you know, breaking out party a little bit. Um, against Graham Ike, too. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that roster goes so deep. I mean, it goes 10 deep. Yeah, and Stefan Castle, though, slowly. I mean, the fact that you can just go to the still walking, slowly walking in Stefan Castle and slowly walking in Klingon. Yeah. It's incredible. It is absolutely incredible what they're going to be able to do. Um, Grand Canyon, I do want to note, obviously, they just beat San Diego State. They might be the best mid... I don't know. If you take out the Mountain West squads, I think it's safe to say Grand Canyon might be the best mid-major in the country that's not in the Mountain West or Gonzaga. Oh, obviously, FAU and Memphis. I don't really consider the teams in mid-majors. But Grand Canyon is a legitimate mid-major. Maybe them, maybe Drake, and Indiana State. Those are the three. Maybe I put Indiana State ahead of Grand Canyon right now. But Grand Canyon just beat San Diego State a couple weeks ago. They bring back, they did bring back a good chunk of what they had last year in a team that won the whack regular season tournaments. They, after 11 months off, just brought back uh, Nunia Blackshear, who was last year's WAC preseason player of the year. So the rich get richer. I mean, they obviously have um, Tyen Grant Foster, who was transferred from DePaul. They had Sidney Curry from Louisville. I mean, they are just so loaded for a mid-major team. That's a team that we're going to look at as like an 11 seed in March Madness. Be like, 
And like, could you imagine if they line up with, I don't know, like a big 10 team, like Wisconsin, Illinois, I'm taking, I love Wisconsin. You know, I love Wisconsin this year. I'm taking Grand Canyon in that matchup. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. That's a Grand Canyon is another one. That's, I mean, they're, that's a stacked roster. Um, and they're playing with, they're playing with everybody. Um, I don't see them having any kind of trouble whatsoever in their conference play. Uh, you know, not to say there's not some good teams in there. We, you know, we've seen teams like Seattle and Utah Valley and, you know, Southern Utah, some of those teams be pretty competitive, Stephen F. Austin or whatever, but um, that's a, they're a good, tough team. You know, they, they beat a good, good San Francisco team. They lost to South Carolina, uh, but they played them tough. They just beat a good Liberty team that I like a lot. Um, yeah. Beat the fuck out of Portland. Yep. You know, those aren't really games they're supposed to win. So, um, yeah, that's another good one. I think this is uh, – I see a good run for Grand Canyon in the tournament, and then it's going to springboard our boy into a new job. Yeah. Yeah, it really so. is because he is – that squad is phenomenal. It really is. And he's a hell of a recruiter. Yeah. Um, obviously, I mean, you're saying it. Texas beat LSU. The big thing I'm going to, this is all Saturday now. The one thing I'm going to notice is that Dylan Dysu is back. Texas desperately need outside of Max A. Smith. They don't have the offensive firepower, really. So I, I think they desperately, they solely lacked what Dysu provided. So. I like Texas. I mean, I think I have them ranked 13th right now. I think I'm the high guy on them in terms of where I have them ranked. But, yeah, I mean, I think DC is going to help them a lot. Then Kansas, they were down to Indiana pretty late into the second half. They came back and won. John, how good is Kansas? I mean, when I think of – if you ask me, like, who's the upper echelon of college basketball right now, I'm saying Purdue, I'm saying Arizona, I'm saying UConn, and I'm probably saying Houston. Does yeah. Kansas belong in that tier? I don't think they do. I never really felt that strongly about Kansas City being like one of those top tier one teams in the, in the country this year. And they might very well might prove me wrong. But, um, no, I just don't see it. Um, <clears throat> I'm with you. I think that those are my teams. Uh, and I definitely – I've got Houston up there. I mean, I, I think Houston's a better team than Kansas. Um, so, I mean, we're gonna have to see, we're gonna see. I mean, I can't wait to watch Big Twelve this year. Talking about Texas and Kansas both, like, I can't wait to watch Big Twelve basketball this year and see how yeah. that conference plays out because there are so many good teams. And I and I don't even know if I'm really taken away from Kansas all that much. I'm not gonna sit here and say, "Oh, fucking Kansas sucks," you know, like. Kansas is a good basketball team, and they've got the wins to show it. Um, but you know, I don't, I don't know if I see a national champion. Or that. So yeah, I mean, in terms of the Big Twelve, the fact that BYU and Oklahoma are this good just demonstrates how elite that conference is. I mean, it was what teams are projected ninth and 10th, and we projected around ninth and 10th in the conference. I know BYU in the preseason poll, I think they were 13th. I mean, it's, yeah. it's insane. Um, Indiana State, they beat Ball State on Saturday. 
They moved to 10 and 1 again. Them and Grand Canyon definitely seem like the two best. And I'm going to give Drake credit as well. These definitely seem like the three best mid majors in the country. I don't know how at this point the committee is going to leave out one of Drake or Indiana State. I, I just I don't see how that's feasible right now. Not unless they just really drop off. Like, would you rather see six? Six Mountain West teams tough. Would you rather see five Mountain West teams get in or and one Missouri Valley or see four and two? Probably five and one, to be honest. But <laughs> what about a second West Coast Conference team or a second Missouri Valley team? You muted. I'd rather see a second Missouri Valley team. Yeah, I agree. I think other than obviously you have FAU and Memphis in the American. I don't see any third American team rising. So yeah, I mean Mountain West is probably a bad example just because how high we are on a lot of those teams. But I, yeah. I can't envision the Missouri Valley not getting both Indiana State and Drake. But that might be what it comes down to, you know? I think you have a better shot if Drake wins a conference tournament because of how good – Indiana State, I think, is 12th in the net right now. So they're yeah. the better at getting at large than Drake does. So I think and that's – I watched some of them Saturday too. That was a good game. Yeah. Uh, I was watching it getting ready for the – Three o'clock slate. It was on Peacock, I think. Yeah, yeah and yeah, so it was on Purdue and Arizona was on Peacock. Yeah. So. That's how I saw it. So Ohio State beat UCLA. This is one of the games that you kind of said to me. It's gonna kind of impact like which teams like an eighteen and which teams in nineteen in March Madness. Um obviously Ohio State won that game. Ohio State's good. I know they just lost to Penn State's. And they were up by 18 with like 10 minutes left and choked the game and lost. Ohio State is good. And Ohio State is deep. I'm not big on UCLA. I'm down on the entire Pac-12 this year. But Ohio State is good. I know I keep crapping on the Big Ten. But I don't know. There's a lot of teams I like in the Big Ten. Even though I crap on them, I just kind of got to see how it comes together. Even when I was watching that game, one of the announcers, I can't remember which one it was, was saying, he said, you know, watching this game, you just get the feeling that these are two teams that are going to be better at the end of the season than they are right now. Right? They're going to continue to get better throughout the season. And that's kind of the vibe I get from both of those teams, especially Ohio State. You know, Ohio State, in my opinion, is going to be one of those six, seven, eight seed teams maybe that kind of uh, is hit and miss throughout conference play, you know, that might make a good conference tournament run that gets in the tournament and, like, nobody really wants to see because they do have so many pieces. Um, they got so many pieces. They have so much. I mean, it's legit. I think there's probably some NBA players on that team. And, uh, you know, they just keep getting better. They're young. I say it's young. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you, have, you have a Bruce Thornton breakout going on right now. You have a Roddy Gale breakout going on right now. I mean, there's a lot to be – Obviously, they have Zed Key and Jamison Battle and Okpara. There's a lot to be excited about. Yeah. Uh, um, Okpara, I think, is getting, you know, he's starting, his minutes are starting to go up. And I think, you know, he's showing a lot of flashes of uh, what he can do. And we're still waiting on the Scotty Middleton breakout to come. 
Yeah. Scotty Milton was initially supposed to be a one and done. It looks like he's going to go back. I mean, imagine if Roddy Gale, Thornton, and Scotty Middleton are all back next year. I know. And Akpara. Yep. So, okay, let's stay in the Big Ten. Michigan State, I'm not going to toot my horn too much. I told you, oh, before the game started against Baylor, I said, Michigan State's going to beat Baylor because the spread look fishy is only two and a half and how badly they played. Baylor's only two and a half point favorite. I know it was in Michigan State, so they get three to three and a half points just for being at home. But I was like, I don't know. Michigan State, Izzo's in a must win. Like, their season's over if they lost that game because they have no quality wins going into conference play with some bad losses. Um, So I just, everything was set up for Michigan State to find a way to win that game. They beat the crap out of Baylor. They won by 24, handed Baylor their first loss. Um, They shot 8 to 12 from 3, so obviously that's 67%. On higher volume, that's obviously not sustainable. I don't have too much to take away. I just know Michigan State had to win the game. They won. They're well coached. I don't know how much else to say. I mean, maybe they get an at-large bid, but even so, my opinion's not changing them too much. I don't know if they even get an at-large bid at this point. And is a streak of, what is it, 24 straight March Madnesses? Might be coming to an end. I mean, this obviously goes a long way, this win in Baylor. will definitely help them on Selection Sunday. Absolutely, because I think Baylor's going to be a, a top seed when it comes down to tournament. But I was watching, so I watched this game too, and you did. You called it. Um, I was watching that first half, and they were just beating. They were, I mean, it was bad. Yeah. Baylor was turning the ball over. They couldn't buy a bucket. I watched that. I don't know if you saw towards the end of the first half. They got a turnover, and Cohen Carr just had, like, miles of runway ahead of him and threw down a huge dunk. And I thought to myself, like, Baylor should just go get on the bus and go back home. This is over. They are done, dead. You know, they never really came back from that. Um, you know, that I know they kept it a little bit closer in the second half, but it was amazing. I mean, that was a first of all, amazing play by Cohen Carr. He didn't really do much else in the game, but um, that was a big win. You could see they were fired up. Izzo was fired up. You know, they were all feeling good. So maybe this is what they needed to kind of give them a jump start. Um, you know, obviously they need to win out. They have a date with Indiana State coming up. Oh, I'm excited to see that game. Yeah, December 30th. And it's a, you never would think that, you know, this is a must win for Michigan State, you know, playing in it, but it is. That's kind of a must win for both teams if they want an ad large bid. Yeah. That would go a long way for Indiana State. It's going to go a long way for Michigan State, too, I think. So, yeah. So, I I mean, Michigan State can still finish top two in the conference, top two or three in the conference. Absolutely could. Top two, top three, even top four, I think they would get in with the big tens had what, eight or nine bids every single year for like the last four or five years. Yeah. Uh, I won't know Tulane's Kevin Cross had back-to-back triple doubles, which is good for him. I just thought that was – you don't see that often in college basketball. I know we saw with Kevin McCullough earlier today or earlier this year, but you don't see it often. Um, Houston beat Texas A&M. Texas A&M has to be the best 7-4 and four team I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, they are incredible. But the full loss to Houston, to Memphis – to FAU and to Virginia. So they don't have a bad loss. And they should have won that Houston game. Yep. 
I agree. And they do have wins over Ohio State and Iowa State for what that's worth. Yeah. So I'm still very high on Texas A&M. I'm also very high on Houston. I mean, Houston, my biggest problem with them is they didn't play too difficult of a non-con up until they played A&M. I mean, they played Utah and Dayton, and that's pretty much it up until A&M and Xavier. And Xavier's not, I don't think, anything special this year. So, yeah. Not make up for that in conference play. Xavier? No, I'm talking about Houston. Oh, yeah. I was gonna say, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, again, they couldn't, play, they couldn't play. There's not possible to play a non-con schedule tougher than their conference schedule. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I think that Texas A&M is a really good team. I think Houston's a really good team, and yeah, just good basketball all around. Memphis, we talked about already beating Clemson. FAU beat St. Bonaventure. I mean, FAU is so damn talented. I know we kind of crapped on them a little bit, saying, oh, we took early victory laps after they lost to Brian, saying we knew they weren't going to be that good. They really rode to the ship, and they're proving us wrong because they are really freaking good, FAU. And I like that St. Bonaventure team. The, I'd like the A-10 this year. Here's, a, here's one. Would you rather see two A-10 teams in the tournament or the two Missouri Valley teams? Two Missouri Valley, but I could see the A-10 teams. Because Dayton, St. Joe's, oh, right, yeah. those are two teams that should be borderline be ranked right now. Dayton and St. Joe's. Well, that'd be a fun little four-team tournament, wouldn't it? Dayton, St. Joe's, Drake, and Indiana State. Obviously, we saw Purdue beat Arizona. Um, as a result, the fact that Purdue not only won Maui. But they'll now just beat Arizona. I mean, you just said that for Houston, they can't get a non-conference tougher than their conference. Purdue found a way to make their non-con almost more difficult than their conference schedule in the Big Ten. They now wins over Arizona, Alabama, Marquette, Tennessee, Gonzaga. They're going after that one overall seed for sure. But that's Gonzaga, Tennessee, Marquette, Alabama, Arizona, and then obviously they have a win over Iowa. I mean, that's as tough as you can get, just about. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Arizona's got a pretty tough non-con, also. Yeah, they do. They lost to Purdue. They beat Wisconsin. Duke. Michigan State, which obviously that was a bigger time game when they scheduled it rather than what it looks like it's going to yeah. be. But yeah, I think Purdue, Arizona, UConn, I think those might be the 1A and then like Houston and maybe Kansas are like the 1B this year. And I'll throw Marquette maybe in the 1B tier as well. But I think those Arizona's got Florida, got Florida Atlantic on Saturday. How good of a game is that going to be? That is going to be another great. What was it at? Uh, at Arizona. Ooh, could you imagine if Dusty May goes in and wins that game? Fucking incredible. He's got a chance. Yeah. You see Santa Barbara, one of our favorite teams coming into the year. They beat Loyola Marymount. They look incredible with AJ Mitchell. Um, Loyola Marymount's a pretty good team, too. And you, you see Santa Barbara beat them pretty handily. Um, Kentucky beat UNC. Kentucky's just going to keep getting better and better as the year goes on. Like, it wouldn't shock me if when we're, like, doing our Selection Sunday show or doing our March Madness predictions that we talk about Kentucky as a legitimate Final Four pick. 
What's the price? Yeah. And you know I was on Hong Kentucky going to the year, but they're incredible. Uh-huh. They're getting better. They are. They are. Calipari's taking victory laps. I know that for sure. Yep. If he's he's having a good time out there. People are going to – he kind of got shot on last year. People were even talking about his job at Kentucky, you know, and maybe him leaving or whatever. But he's doing an incredible job this year. That was a big moral. I mean, I'm not big on UNC this year, but I think that was a huge moral victory for Cal and for Kentucky, you know, to be another blue blood like that. Virginia will note they beat Northeastern by two, but again, they found a way to win. So it's all that really matters. Again, sometimes it wins a win. St. Mary's beat UNLV in double overtime after they beat Colorado State. So all of a sudden, St. Mary's has some life. You saw them beat Colorado State to hand them their first loss. You see UNLV beat Creighton. Actually, Colorado State also beat Creighton. So the two teams that beat Creighton, St. Mary's beat both of them. Well, we thought St. Mary's was dead in the water. <laughs> They kind of had this past week in terms of beating Colorado State and beating UNLV. Kind of what Michigan State did with the game against Bell, that, okay, this is a must-win. we got to get it done. And St. Mary's and Randy Bennett found a way to get those two wins. And all of a sudden, what's dead may never die over there. The A-10, we already talked about Dayton and St. Joe's. Dayton beat Cincinnati, which is a good win. And St. Joe's beat Iona. Both of those teams are... I believe Dayton and St. Joe's are basically both top 30 in the net, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Ole Miss is now 10-0. They beat Cal. And another two-time transfer we didn't talk about, Brandon Murray. Ole Miss now has him. Um, yep. Transfer from Georgetown. He's, I mean, Ole Miss. I sent you a stat earlier today. I, I apologize. I forget who tweeted it out. But basically, Ole Miss started, I think, 82nd in Ken Palm and didn't get any votes for the AP poll. They're now nationally ranked, and they're 90th in Ken Palm. They're one of four <laughs> remaining undefeated teams, and they're ranked 90th in Ken Palm. It's crazy. I, I'm so <laughs> buying. I, I, I love it, though. I love this Ole Miss team. And I think a lot of the Ken Palm ranking has to do with a lot of the wins will buy one and two points, and I know yeah. that kind of is in a little bit on Ken Palm. Um, Creighton beat Alabama. Creighton does be needed this win after losing to UNLV. Mark Sears actually threw up a near half court heave that literally went around the rim, looked like it was going in, and popped out. And that game that would have sent it to overtime. So Creighton desperately needed that win just to you know stay undefeated against everybody that's not in the Mountain West. But otherwise, good win for them. I will note St. Louis beat Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech should run the table in Conference USA. With Daniel Bradshaw now there, he got his eligibility a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I think by far the best team in Conference USA. Um, St. Louis is not a very good A-10 school this year. But St. Louis found a way to get it done. Tennessee beat NC State. Tennessee, I'm going to say the same thing about them that I said about um, Texas A&M. They are, what are they, 8-3? and three? They are the best 8-3 and three team I have ever seen. And again, I feel yeah, ranked in the top right. of the season. The three, losses, really the three losses are to Kansas, North Carolina, and Purdue. So, yeah, again, no bad losses. No. They beat Illinois. 
they beat Syracuse. Wisconsin. Yep. So again, they are a hell of a team. Um, Nebraska today, actually, or yesterday, excuse me, yesterday being Sunday, beat Kansas State 62 to 46. John, this has to be the first time this has ever happened. Both teams scored the Ken Palm ranking. I'm surprised that you were able to find that stat. That's pretty incredible. Somebody did it. I didn't. I didn't look it up. <laughs> but somebody screenshotted the 62 next to Nebraska and 62 again for the score in the Ken Palm and 46 for Kansas State. I mean, that has to be the first time that's ever happened. That is like insane. But yeah, Nebraska. Yeah, that is beat, interesting. Nebraska beat Kansas State now. They beat Michigan State. I mean, what we keep crapping on the Big Ten, but they're not that bad. Minnesota seems to be winning some okay games. I mean, Minnesota beat Nebraska. Yeah. So I'm saying like the bottom of the Big Ten, like, is existent for once. Usually it's just a non existent bottom dwellers, but good for these two teams. Good for Nebraska, good for Minnesota. Yeah. I'm surprised they held Kansas State to 46 points. I'm surprised Hoiberg found a way to outcoach Jerome Tang. Yeah. So, okay. Last thing we're going to do here, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Basically, what everyone in the national media was talking about this past week was in the last, I think it was since 2000, since whenever Carmelo Anthony's Syracuse team won the national championship. So what is that, 2002? So the last 21 years, one team in the week six AP poll was ranked in the, the national champion was ranked in the top 12 for the last 21 years. And then if you take out that one Syracuse year where they won it all, then it goes back to like 1994 or something. So like every year except one for the last almost 30 years, a top 12 team in the week six poll has the national champion has come, come out of. So here's my first question. I don't know if you have last week's AP poll up. Let me rattle off real quick. We're going to rank the 12 teams on who we think is most likely to win a national championship, least likely. And I also want you to tell me one or two teams that aren't ranked in the top 12 that you think you still are buying stock on and think they have a legitimate shot. So real quick, the the top 12 in last week's AP poll, Arizona 1, Kansas 2, Purdue 3, Houston four, UConn five, Baylor six, Marquette seven, Creighton eight, UNC nine, Gonzaga ten, Oklahoma eleven, Tennessee twelve. So those are twelve teams we're going to rank. What teams outside of that top twelve from in the national like do you think could be a legitimate national champion contender? Uh, I think Kentucky has to be one of them. I think Kentucky has to be one of them. I think um, maybe Texas. Yeah, with Daisu back, potentially. I like Clemson. I like Wisconsin. And you and I just talked about Memphis. Illinois. Illinois, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. And again, Memphis, we just just said, might be a top 10 team in the nation with Naquan Tomlin. All of a sudden, they might be cooking with fire. Um, Texas A&M's another one I love. But... Texas A&M's a good one, yeah. Okay. So let's rank those 12 teams from 
And this will conclude the episode from least likely to most likely. Okay. From those 12. So I have mine. I'm ranking UNC 12th out of those 12 teams we just said. I'll agree with that. Okay. Um, I just I I know they have RJ Davis. I just don't think they have the requisite guard player to really make a serious run. And I don't love Hubert Davis as a coach. Um right. I gave Gonzaga and again UNC was ranked ninth. I gave tenth rank Gonzaga the eleventh spot in terms of most likely to win the national championship due to, you know, we talk about the lack of depth. I just I'm I'm a Gonzaga truther, but I'm kind of out on them this year. Yeah, that's fair. I'm thinking Gonzaga. I might swap them with Oklahoma, but okay. it's close well, to me. I have Oklahoma 10. And again, I just think yeah. the backboard is so much better with all the transfers they have that I kind of gave Oklahoma the head, edge for that reason. Um, nah, so Oklahoma's 11th in the AP poll from last week. So we had 12, 11, 10. I gave Creighton 9. It pained me to do it, but... Again, we'll, we're at this point basically the nine best teams in the country. So I gave yeah. Creighton number nine. They're ranked number eight. I was actually torn between Creighton and Baylor in terms of who I wanted to rank. I gave Baylor the eight spot. They were ranked six in the eight people. Obviously, this was before they lost to Michigan State. But yeah, Baylor, I think some of the recency bias for me kind of um, – I have to be careful – with Baylor, because Baylor really is a really good basketball team. They have a good backcourt. They have great coaching, just good infrastructure. Like a lot of yeah. things about Baylor, I deep. They can score. I put Kansas number seven. Kansas obviously was number two in last week's AP poll. I just I don't think they're as good as the six teams ahead of them. I just if I'm putting money on a team, I'm putting money on all six of these teams ahead of them. Marquette, I have number six. I think Marquette's a better team than Kansas. Me too. And Marquette was ranked number seven. Um, Tennessee, who was ranked 12th, I have a number five here. And if you remember, Tennessee was my national championship pick before the year started. I initially yeah. said Tennessee over Purdue in the Natty. And I think my other two Final Four teams were Kansas and was it A&M maybe? I forget my fourth team. I think but it was. I'm, I'm revising my final four. I'm going to take UConn over Purdue. I still have Tennessee in the final four. And my fourth team, I guess, is going to be Arizona. Just because I think those teams are just about the four best in the country. I mean, I, I'm not going to get too cute. I know there's always going to be a sleeper that finds their way in. But I'm not about to predict Grand Canyon to go to the final four. But when they do go to the final four, I'm going to say I was right. Um, yeah, you mentioned it, yeah. I have Tennessee five, Houston four. I was really torn on if I won put Houston over Tennessee. Because again, Tennessee is my national um championship pick. But I try not putting preseason bias too much into it. So I gave Houston the edge. Then I have Purdue three, Arizona two, Yukon one. I mean, I think that's pretty fair. I'm not yeah. even Yeah. All right. I, yeah, I mean, I think that it's hard for me to 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 disagree with me of that. Uh, UConn, Arizona is definitely my one and two. I and I think Purdue has to be top three. 
Yeah. So, okay. So you guys will probably be hearing this sometime on Tuesday. And yeah, I guess now that we have more games to talk about, we were going to record it earlier in the week, but with how the schedule lined up, it was like, okay, we have nothing to talk about till Saturday if we're going to be really talking about game recaps. So we held off until Sunday going into Monday night. And now we have, you know, decent schedule coming up. Let's see, tomorrow, Tuesday, when you guys are listening, as we said, there's a Virginia and Memphis game. There's, oy, after that, there's not a whole lot, actually, on Tuesday. Michigan and Florida, that's an okay game. I know Michigan. Yeah, the, the Jordan Even Classic, Juwan right? Howard, Juwan Howard might punch Todd Golden in the face or something. Yeah, isn't that yeah. the Jordan Classic from Charlotte? Yeah, uh, Jumpman Classic, but yeah. Jumpman Classic, yeah, that's right. And it looks like we have some biggies play tomorrow. Marquette at Providence. So, yeah, it looks like we're starting to, you know, sprinkle in a little bit of conference play. Then you have UConn and Seton Hall on Wednesday. Duke and Baylor Wednesday, Master Square Garden. That's going to be a great game. Were you supposed to go to that one? I was. You think it was. It's too tough during the week for me when I have to work and then leave and drive two hours to get the train to tread in and then. Yeah. It was a lot. So I just said, you know what? Let me sell my takes to this one. It's too tough. And then get home at two in the morning when I'm taking the midnight train after the game. He took the midnight train. Yeah, you know. You know the song. Come on, man. Okay. Ooh, and then we talked about UNC Oklahoma on Wednesday. That's going to be hell of a game. That's the jump main invitational as well. Creighton and Villanova. There's a lot of good games. You see Irvine and New Mexico is going to be a good game. That would be a big win for Villanova. Yeah, they've only lost one non big five game, and it was to um Kansas State. Yeah, they beat UCLA, they beat Memphis, they beat Texas Tech, they beat a lot of good teams, but they lost to um Drexel and they lost to UPenn. St. Joe's, I'm not even taking as a bad loss at this point, but no, and then you have Arizona, Alabama on Wednesday as well, but. Okay. Arizona came out and played everybody this year, man. Yeah, and you know what? They look like the best team in the nation, so good for them. Yeah. So, okay. This concludes this episode of the One and Done podcast. Um, rate, review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whoever listen to podcasts. You follow me on Twitter at the underscore NBA goal. That's N-B-A-G-E-L-L. You can follow John on Twitter at John Simpson 42 Follow us on TikTok, on Instagram. I'm trying to post some content from our previous interviews. We are trying to get another couple of interviews for you guys lined up with some players, with some coaches, with some prominent figures in college basketball. So be on the lookout for that. And John and I will talk to you guys next episode. Thanks for listening. All right.